0: Hi everybody. Welcome to Fed Talks. I'm your host, EJ Fed Talks. It is a special episode today. Don't get excited, there's no guest. The special thing is, it's that time of year. That's right, it's Cranksgiving. Which is the holiday that I celebrate on Thanksgiving where I watch both crank movies. Uh, so what I'm gonna do with this year is I am going to watch Crank and record a commentary track, or a watch-along as they call it in podcasting sometimes, uh, as it plays. And you can either sync it up to your copy of Crank, or I will try to explain what's happening often enough that you're sort of aware of the Crank scenario, and I'm going to try to be entertaining for the 87-minute run run runtime of Crank. Uh, Next year for Cranksgiving, I'll do Crank 2 High Voltage, which, as you probably know, is the crazier and more fun of the two Crank movies. But that's only compared to, like, the first one only suffers in comparison to the second one. Because the first one is also great. Um, I was going to set it up, but how about if I just play the movie and I'll get set up in... I'll explain things while I talk, because I'm already committing to talk for quite a while. So I'm pressing play movie at this moment. And then I gave wondered if I wanted to see it in cranked out movie mode. I don't know what that means, so I just went with the feature. We're getting some opening title cards. Uh, uh, crank came out September 1st, 2006. Uh, the same day as The Wicker Man and Idiocracy. Uh, and I did not see any of those movies in theaters. Uh, I didn't see Crank either Crank in theaters. I think I discovered them around 2011 uh they were not well marketed and honestly when this came out okay we've got our production logos lakeshore entertainment which makes me think they shot it in my town because we're always talking about lakeshore stuff uh but at the time this came out i was sort of in a relationship with somebody who was mean to me i didn't enjoy anything that i like so uh i missed a lot of of movies that seemed fun uh very cool eight-bit video game title screens, including a <laughs> Nintendo beating heart. Okay, guys, we're into the movie now. Uh, the setup here—it's it's, you know what—they start off with some very cool stuff. With it, it's a point-of-view shot from Jason Statham. Uh, he's blinking. He's looking at his hands. He doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, he has a very nice apartment. Now, Crank has one of the best. Setups I've ever seen in a movie because they don't fart around explaining who he is. I mean, we're going to learn that his character's name is Chev Chelios and he is uh, involved in crime to some extent. Uh, but he wakes up feeling weird. There is a DVD sitting next to the TV. Somebody wrote F.U. on it. He plays it. And the point is, Chev is sick because they messed with him while he was asleep. Uh, specifically, they poisoned him. <laughs> Which, that's how you know this guy is evil, is because, uh, uh, you know, clearly they could have just killed him, but instead they're going to have some fun. Uh, he has footage of himself injecting a sleeping Chevchelios. Chelios uh, I will alternate between calling him Chev Chelios and Jason Statham uh, I tend to refer to characters by their actor names unless they're superheroes and but Chev Chelios is such a fun name to say so yeah guys bragging killed him uh, Jason Statham is having heart palpitations uh, well the guy's explaining the poison. And <laughs> they, <laughs> they didn't put a lot of time into explaining it because when he's explaining the poison he used he says this is some Chinese synthetic that I don't understand (laughs) but once it binds with your blood cells you're screwed and you're dead and he's got about an hour to live and this is retaliation for whacking Don Kim let me get a quick shot of him whacking Don Kim uh were really pointing a laser scope at him. We have not seen any violence in this movie yet. It will, uh, it, it's gonna pop off real soon. Uh, now we finally really see Statham's face, and this is, uh, the most hair he's ever had in a movie, and it's not a lot of hair. Uh, I asked for crank questions that I could talk about during recording, and, uh, Rachel from Twitter asked if he's ever had hair, and, uh, this movie is the closest that you can answer yes. Um, and it's still not a lot. Uh, there's some very he's freaking out and be, smashing his TV now and now just running through his apartment and there's some very cool stuff where the, the, uh, the shots go low res sometimes and some of the there's like fisheye lenses and, and like extreme Dutch angles and it's got this really cool feeling of panic to it. Uh, there, you know there's freeze frames sometimes the camera just rotates 360 on the wrong axis it's very fun to watch you guys this was it was he, he got to his car he's just gonna drive because that will solve his poisoning problem uh, this movie cost 12 million to make and it made 42 million which is not huge but it's a three and a half time return on your investment with a for a movie that had almost no advertising campaign and I imagine uh, home media has really helped it a lot But it's the kind of movie that doesn't get made now Because people want to make a billion dollars And making a modest 30 million is nothing um, He's trying to call his girlfriend Eve Getting her answering machine uh, She does not have a cell phone He's begging her to get a cell phone uh, That kind of plays into things later Um also, I never really thought about this, but he is wearing a very busy shirt. It's a real Dan Flashes shirt. If you watch, uh, I think you should leave. Uh, he's trying to call his doctor right now, and a sexy lady is telling him he's not that the doctor's not available. Um, the uh, doctor is in Las Vegas having naked women walk on him. Uh, his doctor is Dwight Yoakam, who is primarily a musician, but he went through this phase where he was acting. You might remember him from being... He's really good in Sling Blade. And I don't know they acted acted much more after that. And he just plays an absolute dirtbag in this. Uh, this is one of my favorite jokes in the movie. Uh, he's telling the the receptionist uh, to have the doctor... He needs to hear from the doctor in an hour or else i His message is, uh, call Chub Chelios or else I'm dead. And she says... How do you spell that? And he goes, Chelios. D-E-A-D. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> this movie's got a good sense of humor. It's it's mean and dumb, but it's very funny. And now he's starting to pass out while he's driving. Uh, we And we get lots of shots of his heart, which look very cool. And it sort of zips around his heart. There's There's cool camera stuff in this movie that if I knew words, I could explain better. Um... There. He's Now he's called his friend Kalo, who is sad and shirtless. Uh, <laughs> Kalo's remembering his night, which seems to involve a lot of male and female strippers. I am not entirely certain where Kalo falls on the gender spectrum. Uh, uh, but... The point is, Kalo at least knows a little about what happened. Oh, no, I take it back. He doesn't know anything. Chef Chelios is filling him in, and Chep knows nothing. Uh, as Chef says, I'm dead and you're simple. So we're, he's looking for Ricky Verona, the guy who poisoned him. Uh, and he is still racing around in his car. We have not really seen a direct act of violence yet. Um, which remains surprising. We're several minutes in, and he has not punched anybody. He did smash his TV. That does count as violence. He smashed it good. Ah. Now he's headed to see a man named Orlando. Every business in this movie has a strip club aspect to it. Because it seems to be like a a biker bar that also has ladies on stripping poles. Ah. And it seems to be a a gang that is entirely African-American, which feels a little race-baity to me. But, uh, uh, you know, it was 2006. There was a lot going on. Uh, Also, because of something that happens later, I think I see why that's a choice they made. Uh, He's roughing up a guy he knows named Orlando to try to get information. Orlando has very little information for Chevchelios. But Chev has a gun. And I don't really think of him as a guy who uses guns. He, there's plenty of shooting in these movies. But he's mostly a a punch and headbutt kind of guy. Um, Things are getting tense. There are a lot of people. There are so many people in the bathroom pointing guns at him now. There are literally 15 people in a small bathroom. And they all have guns pointed at him. And it's it's a very funny shot. You guys this movie might be really good. Like, I love it, but I think it's genuinely, uh, like, visually, it's very it's very interesting and exciting. Um, this is, as I've mentioned on this show a lot in the past, I'm a big Jason Statham fan, and uh, I feel like I was kind of late to that party. Like I said, I think I didn't watch the Crank movies till like 2011, and then, I watched every Jason Statham thing I could. Uh, and to this day, if he's in something, I will almost definitely watch it. Because even if something's kind of bad, he's at least fun. He's, he's a fun actor. Uh, Orlando is giving Chev some information, mostly to the effect that he doesn't have much information. Everybody's walking away happy. This was a tense moment, and everything feels okay. Except that Chev is collapsing. He's very sick from Poison. Uh, and this is the thing I like about uh, Jason Statham as an action star is he's very good at at uh, being looking bad like he's there's not a lot of vanity in his performances okay now he wants some cocaine so he can get uh, get on his feet again Yeah, and this just looks like the kind of Trashy biker bar slash strip club where somebody's going to have cocaine. Um, He's paying for it like a good, good, uh, respectful customer. Respectful cocaine customer. And... uh, (laughs) This is almost like a Curb Your Enthusiasm bit. He spills it all over, trying to get the bag open, and he's just jamming individual crystals into his nose and mouth. (laughs) This is a bit I forgot about. (laughs) God, you guys, Crank is really good. All right, he's up and standing now, thanks to the cocaine. Uh, This movie has great lessons Uh, For all of us, frankly. uh, I don't know what I'm going to do next time. I think I've been poisoned. All right. Nope, the cocaine's not working. Guys. So now... I think this is... Yep, here's where it gets weird. He decides he has to start a fight with the entire bar. Um, and he, he doesn't really know why that is, but he just knows that when he's in, in danger, uh, his symptoms seem to be a little better. Um, now they're out on the street. The entire bar has come out to beat him up. Um, and he peels away in, in his car driving very fast and he seems to be feeling a little better for the moment. Uh. Nobody seems happy with him. So far, nobody in this movie is excited about dealing with Chev. Now the doctor calls him. And, no, sorry, it wasn't the doctor. Because he said doc, but I'm watching with the subtitles. He assumed it was his doctor. No, it's Ricky Verona. He's calling to taunt him. Uh, <laughs> now, it's important that uh, to note that you have Jason Statham, you have Dwight Yoakam, and a little later we'll see Amy Smart. Those are the only people in this movie you have ever seen before. Uh, It's a lot of... And not even like character actor types. Like just maybe people who just did real low-budget stuff. Um, You know, you're just not going to see familiar faces in this one. So now Ricky Verona's taunting him over the phone and the cops are trying to pull him over. Um... Chev is making jokes about uh, the Ricky Verona being sexually assaulted by his brother as a child. Uh, this movie is in very good taste. So now Chev has to deal with the fact that the cops are chasing him. There's several cars and uh, motorcycles. And finally the doctor calls him. The doctor calls him Chevy. I guess that's what Chev is short for. <laughs> Which... Isn't less weird, I guess. So the doctor's in in Vegas at the airport. Uh, I'll be there in like two weeks. Uh, Actually, I'll be at the end of my trip in about two weeks. But still, it'll be awesome. Now, he is literally driving through the mall. He drove his car through the front door. The cops are pursuing him through a big mall. Uh, While the doctor now... Puts the last part of the plot into place. Explains the adrenaline is what's keeping him alive. He has to keep his adrenaline levels up to keep his heart beating. So it's constant, uh... Constant movement and excitement and, uh, fear. Basically, he has to keep putting himself in an increasingly dangerous situation in order, to, in order to keep his heart beating. Uh, this driving the car's... Car chase through the mall scene is very good. Um then he 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 flips the car and gets caught sideways on the escalator and it's going up the escalator very slowly it's wedged in there you guys this movie is amazing it is oh man I know I sometimes undersell it because I think the second one's much crazier but this is amazing so he's and there's no way all of the uh these mall stores signed off on their their uh, logos appearing in the thing like there's no way the good people at Mervin's were 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 asked about being in this movie and they were like cool Uh, there's a neat thing where he's running through the halls and sometimes you see the image of the person he's talking to on the phone on the wall Uh, like I said a lot of fun visual stuff now he's in a cab The driver looks a little like uh, Flight of the Conchords' neighbor Dave, but it's not him. Uh, maybe it is. Should I check that? Is that Arch Barker? No, it's not Arch Barker. He's much older than Arch Barker would have been in 2006. Uh, so he's ditched the cops for now by getting in the cab, but it's not doing a lot for his adrenaline because it's just a regular cab. Um, I am... I love watching the... Outside the car windows because it's so vivid. Like I don't know what kind of crazy camera they use. But there's... See, I wish I knew stuff. I could fill time so much easier and talk about the techniques. But uh, uh, Brian Taylor, who is one of the writer-directors on this. Uh, it's actually uh, Mark Neveldine and Brian Taylor. And they made several movies together. And then split up. And Mark Neveldine married an actress and mostly got out of the business. Uh, but just a couple of years ago, Brian Taylor was doing a show with uh, with Grant Morrison on sci-fi called Happy, which is about a uh, kind of a ex-cop slash dirtbag who's being chased by the mob and uh, trying to find a missing girl while her her imaginary friend tries to help him. And that did some amazing camera techniques, especially for a sci-fi show and you see a lot of a lot of the beginnings of it here like there's something about the way the camera speed is where it makes it look like he's moving inhumanly fast like I don't know if they they're dropping frames or what it is they do but it's he's moving so crazy fast it's really disjointed and fun Um, he's robbing a gas station now mostly just stealing tons and tons of energy drink and just plowing through Red Bull uh which, if you've ever had an energy drink, is uh, seems pretty accurate. Tried to call his girlfriend again. She's still not home. Uh, he steals some flowers for her on the way. <laughs> and he's got the cab taking him to Beverly Hills now. While he is pounding dozens of energy beverages. Okay, now we're in Carlito's penthouse and there's more, there's uh, guys with guns and naked ladies just hanging out by the pool. Uh, what's weird is not all the ladies are naked. Some of them have, have full bikinis on and some have just the bottoms and I don't know how how both within the movie and within the world of the movie you're selected for one, one uh, wardrobe or the other. Uh, but everybody seems to be having fun in the penthouse. And this fellow jumps into his pool. And so does a fully clothed Chev Chelios <laughs> wanting to talk to him. <laughs> there, There is no explanation for how Chev made it all the way up this building and passed all of the armed men. Uh, but this is apparently his boss. Uh, again, we don't have a lot of background on what Chev's deal is, so... Uh a lot of this is all putting it together as we go. Uh, he wants an antidote. The the man explains there is no antidote, and once again it's explained as being because it's Chinese. <laughs> this is a very uh they <laughs> they sound like corona they sound like <laughs> they sound like MAGA people talking about the coronavirus. <laughs> Uh Chev wishes his boss were a little more uh, uh, upset about his imminent death. And they keep cutting to below the surface of the water to show Jason Statham treading water with his tennis shoes on. <laughs> Guys, Neville Dean and Taylor are geniuses. Their career, they don't work nearly as much as they should. I guess Neville Dean sort of opted out, but and Brian Taylor spent two years doing Happy. I hope he's got something new coming up. Because visually... Man, that's the problem. There's not really a place for... This kind of movie just doesn't exist anymore at this kind of budget. You know, you, it either has to be huge budget and then you don't get to play around and be weird like this. Or... Or there, there's no budget and then you're just struggling to make... To get images to adhere to film. And I think maybe that's why Brian Taylor moved to TV. And I hope maybe his next thing will also be a TV show. That's very good because honestly, I'd rather watch 13 episodes of a TV show than a movie. Uh, Unless that movie is crank or crank two or possibly Thor Ragnarok. All right. Jason Statham did not get the answers he wanted. Now he's wet and mad. Uh, And the guy won't let him in his cab when he's wet. Despite Chef paying him $200 to wait for three minutes. So, Jeff knocks the guy to the ground, cab, and before he drives off, points at him and yells, Al-Qaeda, Al-Qaeda. And then the passerby just start beating the crap out of him. Which does, does not sound funny and in fact sounds horrible, but the execution of it is, there's just this sort of knowing hammerheadedness about this movie that lets them, I don't know, it, it, it doesn't play as offensively as it should when you think about it. Uh, now he's back on the phone with the doctor who's explaining how these drugs work. And we're getting lots of shots of inside Jason Statham's body, including a quick x-ray of his skeleton. <laughs> uh, the doctor recommends going to an emergency room to get epinephrine, uh, artificial adrenaline. A fifth of an injection will do. Uh, but Chev is, is trying to drive fast and plow energy drinks, and all he got out of epinephrine was epi-something. <laughs> and then the, the, the word epinephrine appears on screen, broken down by syllable. <laughs> Everything about this movie is great. Oh, they didn't his, now his friend Kalo called for a second, and Kalo appears in the rearview mirror while Chev is talking to him on the phone. It's God, the way they convey information in this movie is way smarter than it needs to be. Um, but Kalos saw Ricky Verona's brother, so obviously that's where where Chev has to go now. Um, this car- the camera is running either incredibly fast or incredibly slow because the the scene it looks like the opening to Kids in the Hall right now. <laughs> I feel like they've used more cameras making this movie than they did for all of Avatar. All right. Chev is on the scene. Kalo's showing him where uh, Ricky Verona's brother went. And look. If there haven't been enough fight scenes in this movie, there's really just been like... I mean, one fight scene and some beat-ups. But uh, it's going to pop off now. Because Ricky Verona's brother is... Sitting down to a nice lunch. Uh, Sweaty and sickly Chev is walking. (laughs) Just staggers into a waitress and knocks her over. (laughs) And guys, Chev and uh, Verona are going to have a little talk. Chev goes into the kitchen. Verona follows with a very big handgun. Like, hilariously big. Uh, the chefs seem alarmed by the man with a gun, which is good. They don't notice right away because they're very busy making meals for their clients. Uh, and we get a lingering shot of a meat cleaver. And <laughs> as soon as... <laughs> Verona it turns his back, Chem comes up from behind him and cuts off his hand with a meat cleaver in one clean swipe. And it's the hand with the gun. So he's 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 questioning him. And the guy who just lost his hand to a meat cleaver is not being very cooperative. Uh, even as Chem threatens to carve him into stakes. And then he tries to fight him. You don't try to fight Jason Statham. Uh, He he misses a punch with his one good hand and hits pavement. Kalo comes up behind him and hits him with a rolling pin. That gets Verona chasing him. Obviously not concentrating on the real threat. Uh, Chev's gun isn't working because he just took it at a swimming pool. So, uh... He, he picks up Verona's gun, which still has his hand attached to it, and he shoots him with his own gun, using his own trigger finger. <laughs> so, so that guy's dead. Oh my God! Ah, uh, Chef peels the hand off and tosses it to Kilo. He rifles through Verona's body, uh, finds his phone. It's a flip phone. It's two thousand six. Everybody's in there by their first name. You remember how that used to work? Um, Ricky Verona is feeding meat to his dog while he sits shirtless on the toilet. Um, oh, and you now he was—he was, he was getting—he was getting what they call in the business a blumpkin. Uh but also with with a freehand feeding beef to a dog um, honestly Ricky Verona keeps busy so we get some more uh, we get some more threatening uh, Ricky is very frustrated that uh, Jason Statham has not died yet Um. God, I cannot get over his shirt. It seems to have, like, mini corkscrews all over it. Uh, But now here's where he's uh, telling Verona his brother's dad is using a gay slur. Uh, That does happen in these movies sometimes, partly because of, you know, they were made in 2006 by people who didn't seem super... uh, Uh, sensitive and partly because everybody in these movies is a terrible person Uh, I will say from following Brian Taylor on Twitter he definitely seems more uh, more uh, more more empathetic than he was in 2006 Uh, he seems to be a good guy he's a little uh, he's one of those people I don't understand who's loudly moderate uh that always seems weird. It's he's super excited about mostly keeping to the status quo. But, you know, <laughs> a vocal moderate Democrat is better than better than a lot of things you could be. Chev uh, gets to the emergency room. He muscles an old man out of the way to get, uh, get his epinephrine, which he does not remember the name of. He just knows it starts with E. The pharmacist is not interested in helping him until he explains. He wants artificial adrenaline. He explains that to her. Uh, She does not take a lot of, uh, uh, like she helps him figure out what he needs. She's not willing to help him possibly because she is a medical professional uh, and you can't just walk in and demand it. But a a dirtbag points out to him that nasal spray has epinephrine in it just enough to get him tweaked. So he steals about a dozen boxes of nasal spray while the pharmacist is calling security. And now he's just walking through the halls of the hospital inhaling bottle after bottle of nasal spray. Uh, Security has found him. So... Now the cops are chasing Chevchelios again. Look, if he could explain to them that his his heart was going to explode, they'd probably cut him a break. Uh, Possibly not, because there's probably like a dozen warrants out for him. Uh, He ducks into a a hotel room. Guys, I'm falling apart. It's a hospital room. There is a very old man who may or may not be dead lying there. And it's this weirdly respectful moment where Chev is uh, checking out this guy and deciding his next move. And sure enough, the security guards follow him in. Uh, But they don't find Chev, so they bail. There's not a lot of places to hide in a hospital room. And in fact, they don't show us where Chev hid. So, okay, well, you know what? He hid in the closet that they didn't check. <laughs> so it's not, <laughs> this sort of feels like a part where maybe they wrote themselves into a corner and went ass screw it. Uh, he's now put on a hospital gown. So he's trying to pass unnoticed through the halls, but he does have a gun tucked under his arm and he has his black tennis shoes on. And they spot him almost immediately. So now he's running in a hospital gown. Which, uh, the show, I Brian Taylor's TV show, he did Happy. Uh, Chris Maloney plays the Jason Statham role. And he spends, I think, the first two episodes in a hospital gown. <laughs> um, uh, you know what? We're getting a lot of Statham butt. Uh, not a lot of crack, but a lot of Cheek. Um, and now he's in the surprising <laughs> guest appearance. I for, I forgot there's a prominent name in here. Uh, Glenn Howerton, Dennis from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, plays an EMT, and uh, Chev is demanding adrenaline from him at gunpoint. And Dennis is rifling through the throwers of a crash cart while they're running down the halls with a coding patient. <laughs> Everything about this is great. Now this is 2006. had always sunny even premiered by that point, I almost think it hadn't. We should we should look into this, right? I feel because that was 15 years ago, although, You know, they are up to, uh, you know, approximately a million seasons of It's Always Sunny. 2005, so It's Always Sunny was on the air when this came out. Uh, So, (laughs) it's weird that they got Glenn Howerton to appear (laughs) in this weird-ass movie. (laughs) Uh, But it's very funny. I love that guy. Uh, It's a little bit of a standoff, but Chev's got the adrenaline. And then he has, he has Dennis. He wants Dennis to hit him with the defibrillator. And I am not sure that that would work. And I'm, I, I don't know what he thinks it will, will accomplish. Because I feel like defibrillators don't really work the way they do on TV. But <laughs> he, he, he uses the defibrillator on him and the shock knocks him across the room and into an elevator. So that lets Chev get away on an elevator. Um, and as soon as the elevator doors close, he collapses. He's the man is in clear distress. Won't somebody help Chev Chelios? I think Jason Statham plays, plays this weird vulnerability very well. um, he is shooting up epinephrine now, and uh, what he doesn't remember, and that we might, is that the doctor told him a fifth of the syringe should be should be plenty. And he just does a full-ass syringe right into his arm. He has done five times the necessary amount of epinephrine to keep him alive. Uh, and only then does he wonder how much he was supposed to use. Um, but another, uh, 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 Twitter, Rachel, another Jason Statham question she had, and I think she was making fun of me, was she wondered if, if Statham should do a Jane Austen. And you know what? Honestly, wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. Like he does have a lot more range than you, he is running through the streets in his, uh, hospital gown, just so fast because his heart is exploding, and it is just him running very fast, <laughs> and you keep seeing him in different locations, indicating he's covering a lot of ground. Uh, but he's got a lot, lot of more range than action than most action stars, uh, especially of earlier vintages, uh, and he's he's done a few things that play a little closer to straight drama, and I think his. Uh, he, he makes, uh, a lot of his movies better than, than they need to be with his performance. Uh, the transporter, I think he really gives a lot of humanity to a character that does not have much humanity in the script. Um, and, and he does a very funny parody of himself in Spy. Uh, but I think I, I could see him in sort of a period thing and he's got sort of that great lower class British accent that I think uh would work really well in that setting. Um you know, he's maybe aged out of being the the romantic interest unless he becomes like dirtbag Colin Firth. But uh I think he'd be a very good uh of, like a very good dad of a lower class kid. I would like to see that. Um anyway, he called the doctor. Doctor told him uh Dr. Tolovey needs to burn off this adrenaline and also his, uh, it's probably screwing up his sphincter. He stops at a, outside a TV store in his hospital gown because people are gathered to watch the story about the man who's going on a rampage in Los Angeles. Uh, he has a visible erection because of the adrenaline through his hospital gown and a pencil drawing of him appears on the screen. And one guy notices, but then also notices the boner, and just looks away. Um. Now he steals a gun off a motorcycle cop. Uh, you know what? Chevchelios was 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 a cab before anybody. I think. He was just taunting taunting a motorcycle cop with his gun. He throws it, and makes him run off to run to pick it up. And now a begowned Jason Statham is driving off in a police motorcycle. Actually he's doing very slow donuts to taunt the cop who is hanging on to the back of it. Uh, and his his shoes are sparking. And I don't know why they do that, but it's so funny. And now he's driving off. He's he's hauling ass in his hospital gown. Uh Looking a little bit out of it, which is not great for a man in his position. God, I love this movie. I think, yeah, they've said it. It's set in Los Angeles. And next time I go to Los Angeles, I want to see if I can find notable crank locations. And now he is hanging, he is standing on top, uh, standing on the motorcycle seat as it drives. He's doing a T pose. Uh, There's full Statham butt hanging out of the dressing gown. This is amazing. This is one of those scenes I, I don't remember when I remember the great parts about Crank, but it's happening and it's great. And then he runs right into a roadside cafe and takes a header into a table. This is the best movie. Oh my god, okay. And now he's waking up. Where is he? Yeah, he's still on the table. (laughs) He finally reaches his girlfriend. uh, Who is now... She's she's in bed on the phone. Uh, His girlfriend is played by Amy Smart, who... She's an actress you've seen. She's on... She's been in like everything. Uh, she was a bear, very big early two thousands crush for EJ, uh, quite frankly. Uh, and Jason Statham is explaining to her that she is in a great deal of danger, and he's going to come over and and help. And she does not seem to believe him, but he's coming. He's going to get over there, and he's going to save her, uh, or protect her at any at any rate. Uh, she does not understand the the uh, level of seriousness with which he's approaching this. She just thinks oh, it's that wacky Chev. Um. Oh, probably the the main credit for Amy Smart was she was Allison Unjustified for a season. Uh, but she's been in a million things. She was on Scrubs. Uh, she was in. Oh, she was a re- uh, regular for a season on Felicity. Uh, she has a. Here's the weird thing. She was in a movie called High Voltage and also Crank 2 High Voltage. She's been in two different high voltage movies. Uh, her first on screen appearance is in, a, is in a music video for The Lemonheads, It's About Time. Uh, and then a miniseries where she played girl number one in Seduced by Madness, The Diane Borchardt Story. Uh, so that's our Amy Smart career retrospective. Uh, Chef shows up at her place and he's, man, she get a track suit on. Uh, she's walking around in her underwear. Um, she does think he looks gross in a track suit. Which, I don't know, man, if I look like that in a track suit, that is all I would ever wear. Even if people thought I was a dirt bag, I'd be like, I don't know, man, I'm styling. Think what you want about me. Um... So he wants to take her away and get her to safety. She does not believe that she's in trouble. She wants him to change the clock on the microwave. (laughs) Because of daylight savings time. Which, you know what? Pretty relatable. Uh, (laughs) He tells her he bought her flowers, but they got messed up on the way over. Which technically is true. He did buy her flowers. He's trying. I think what I'm saying is, Chev Chelios is the per- is the perfect boyfriend. Um, this is actually this is where I he's doing a good job here. He's really just trying to convince her to to listen to him without uh uh getting too too worked up, but also he's ready to collapse and uh you know, it's kind of a perfect movie, frankly, his vision's going weird again. I like how they how they convey that things just start to look weird uh the way the way images warp um so he he needs he needs to get he needs to get his adrenaline up, so his He slams his hand in the waffle maker. He burns the hell out of his own hand to, to get that adrenaline up. Uh. God, Oh, man, this movie's great. His, his burned hand looks gnarly, by the way. Ah, now they're starting to have relationship troubles because he did yell at her because she's still not going very fast and he set his hand on fire to stay alive. Now we see gunmen out the window. Guys, it's going to get bad. So he's trying to get her out to the car in safety. Uh, She wants to go back. She goes back into the apartment to turn on the waffle maker. Look, this thing, this... If I ever tell you you need to get out of your apartment, I will reserve that for when something is incredibly important, and I just want you to believe me. I do not see myself getting emotionally close enough to most of you that that, uh, uh, Ricky Verona would think you were worth threatening. But let's just keep that that in mind for the future. Um, She stops to answer a call, so he beats up one guy he is he is trying to take out their attackers without her noticing because she clearly is not aware of what his actual job is he he takes her purse and dumps the contents out on the ground and pretends it's an accident which is very funny because while she's distracted he is fighting a dude with a gun uh, <laughs> oh oh my god uh, he he managed the guy's trying to fire, his, fire fire a shot and Chev jerks his hand way to the side. So he ends up firing into a different window, shooting a parakeet and just obliterating it. And then Chev Telios turns his head all the way around and snaps his neck. So uh, right now the gunmen have been dealt with, but they need to get out of there. She wonders where his car is and it cuts to a shot of the police motorcycle he was driving, which is on a sidewalk on fire. (laughs) There There is an extremely weird shot just now of a pigeon checking out a lady's butt. And then it does the x-ray shot of the pigeon that it does on Chev sometimes, and you see the pigeon's heart beating real fast. And <laughs> I don't know what it means. I genuinely don't know what that means, but that's a horny... That pigeon's in the butts, man. All right. They are stopping for lunch. He's mainlining nasal spray. And this is where he tells her... Uh, Oh, my God, I forgot this part. She thinks he's a video game programmer. (laughs) Why why, why would that that be your fake job, Jeff Chelios? How do you think you can fake that? Uh, He explains he's actually a hitman for a major West Coast crime syndicate, and he killed the wrong guy. And it is... 48 minutes into this movie's 86 minute runtime and we are finally <laughs> finally establishing some key parts of the story including what Chelios does for a living and uh, now he's But he actually does not kill Don Kim which was the motivating incident or so we were told uh, Chev is all of a sudden just doesn't want to kill people so he tells the guy look somebody's paying $100,000 to kill you somebody's going to do it but it won't be me uh, but you're going to get out of town and just stay gone for 48 hours so Look, these are a lot of things we're learning about Chev Chelios and what was happening in his life. Uh, you know, a full, a full sixty percent of the way into the movie's runtime. But it's, it, it, you know what? I like the way they did it. You hit the ground running, and then we get caught up on what was happening once we sort of, once we sort of have seen Chev in action and know his whole deal. But he's not a hitman anymore. He quit. He quit. he quit for Amy Smart. I should know her character's name. I'm going to look it up. Uh, it has been said multiple times since we movie Eve. Uh, he quit for her. He wants them to be together. Uh, and she just wonders if they're going on a trip. Uh, also, a thing I, I... You know what? I didn't even realize... Uh, his friend, Kalo, who I've mentioned a few times, is uh, Efren Ramirez, from, who is Pedro in M- Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, so I'm sorry for saying there aren't people you recommend, you recognize. Uh, but Eve thinks he's making all this up just to break up with her. And she's mad. And now his heart is not beating anymore, which seems like a metaphor. And now he asks her to have sex with him. And she does not know what's going on. He grabs her boob. And this part is a little. uh, uh, I can't really gloss over it. There's there's not a lot of. uh, uh, It's not great in terms of consent. Let's say that he's really trying to get her to have sex with him. but She knocks him to the ground. He's. Wax his head. She apologizes. She apologizes. Uh, and again, she is not into it. And then he rips her dress. And... Uh, as this is the part I'm not comfortable with, but then all of a sudden, uh, she is now super into it. Uh. It turns out she's very into public sex on the side on a Chinatown sidewalk in front of dozens of people. Uh and they are they are going at it. Uh he's having problems with his his erection, probably because he had that perma boner before and she'd smack him on the face telling him to get it up. Now they're Standing guys I'm just describing a sex scene they're standing up he's trying to trying to rail her up against the newspaper boxes a tour bus is driving by and everybody's laughing and waving and she's very into it uh uh people are cheering them on he's yelling i'm alive uh she is having a blast um it is. I never thought I was going to be describing a sex scene on this, on this show. Uh, there goes my rating. And he gets a phone call. He stops to take a phone call. <laughs> but it's important because Kalo's got Verona. So he pulls out to deal with this. Uh, uh, they're at Don Kim's shirt factory. So he's gotta he has to go there uh Amy smart is very upset that they're not still having sex uh but chev has has to go um, and then she realizes that there are now about a hundred people looking at them and she's had a boob out uh there's a very weird secret so like i say the 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 way it begins is not is not great, but I don't know. The part where they're enjoying themselves is pretty hot. I'll be honest with you. Fine. Okay. That sounded weird. Uh, now he's in a cab. Uh, <laughs> uh, occasionally, words are appearing on the screen the cabbie is offering him some sort of drug because he thinks he's a crackhead and he's just trying to help him get right the cabbie is bragging about his big muscles and uh but he does have access to some kind of crazy drug that appears that is poss- that is both haitian and plant-based and apparently hardcore and Chev's vision is going weird, so you know this wasn't good. Um, he said it tastes like ass. Then <laughs> his cabby calls him the devil. Every interaction in this movie is so weird. Um, but Chev looks like he's passing out, which is a bad sign. He sees a little kid looking at him from another car, but I think it's supposed to indicate that he's seeing a young version of himself because they're in a very old car. Look, I can't unpack all of the layers of Crank. Uh, meanwhile, Kalo, or Ricky Verona is fixing to kill Kalo. They're they're hanging him from the ceiling. He's got a bag around his head. Uh, they are suffocating him while hanging him, which seems like like overkill in a literal sense. Uh, they use Google Maps a lot in this movie, <laughs> just to show where things are in relation to one another. It's pretty funny, and sometimes it starts out with an actual view of the Earth, and then zooms in to show you a three-block difference. But the point is, we've reached Don Kim's shirt factory. Ah. Uh, Chev leaves the cabbie a very big tip. He still calls him the devil. Uh, I mean, probably not wrong. It still seems uh, a little ingracious, I suppose. Uh, All right. Chev has made it to the top of a building. He's very good at getting to the top of buildings. there's one man there who's very upset that people don't think he's doing his job and he's doing his job he seems kind of happy to see Um now all of a sudden it's gone into some very it's not super clear who this man works for or who he's supposed to work for uh, and Chev Chelios is as confused by this as I am because he throws the man off the roof, and then he heads downstairs. <laughs> I think one of the hitmen, one of the guys working for Ricky right now, is uh was Weasel on Veronica Mars. So honestly, maybe we have more people that that uh are familiar but I don't know for sure that he was Weasel. And I don't know for sure that Weasel from Veronica Mars counts as familiar, unless you watched a lot of Veronica Mars, because I feel like he did not really stick around. (laughs) Uh, Also, Kalo looks really dead and Chev does not seem too worried about that at this moment. Okay, so these guys here are not Verona's men, they're working for Chev's boss and uh they say they're going to talk of, take care of Verona but Chev needs to just stay out of it and go lie down and die uh there's a bit where he he said and I'm not going to I'm not going to swear on this I'm a good man he says, what, do I look like I've got the C-word written on my forehead? And then the C-word appears on his forehead. <laughs> uh, so everybody in this scene seems to be comfortable with, uh, with Chev uh, just dying and having it be done with. But then Eve shows up at the shirt factory in the elevator. Everybody gets distracted enough for Chev to just start shooting people. Um, somebody accidentally shoots... Kalo, who is very dead already. And Chev is now using his friend, his friend's corpse as a human shield. Uh, you know, just to get over to Amy Smart. It, oh no, Chev got shot. She got shot in the butt. Which, honestly, if you're going to get shot in this movie, your butt is where you're going to take the hit. I think we've proven that. Uh, And this is still a shirt factory, so there are people, people putting, like, sewing while all this gunfire is happening. Uh, The foreman yells at them, and uh, Amy Smart just reminds him that her boyfriend kills people, and he kind of steps back. Everything about this movie is crazy, guys. So they're trying to get out of the shirt factory now while a very large man with a very funny beard is trying to find them. Uh, They managed to sneak up on him uh, Metal Gear style. And, oh my God, Jason Statham puts the guy's hand into a sewing machine. And I feel like a a sewing machine should have some sort of safety device on it that would prevent you from doing that much damage to a hand because it it just rips it up. Guys, that hand is... It's real gross. uh They, they escape out a window. People are still coming after them. Uh... Chev has taken zero seconds to uh, to mourn his dead friend. Um, which, you know, is a bit of a shame. But would Kalo have mourned him? I think not. Uh, we got fire escape gunfights. God, this is really fun. We found out Eve followed him because she wanted to make sure he was telling the truth. about be- Which... When that's what you're questioning, it's maybe a little dangerous. (laughs) He has to push her out of the way of a dead guy falling off the building and onto her. (laughs) I gotta say, Amy Smart is really great at this. She's doing such a great mix of a person who's in way over her head and a person who's trying to pretend she can still keep living her her old reality. Like, there's a gunfight happening now and she's remembering she didn't take her birth control. <laughs> They're trying to get away so Jem puts her in her car through the window. Like, just picks her up like a plank and slides her in. Ah, uh, they are. Driving off while angry men and guns give chase. It's a very grand theft auto sequence. Uh, you know I've always thought there should be a crank video game, and I think it should be made by the people who make Saints Row, which is a similar similarly sort of high o- octane bad taste experience uh and I also think the people who made Crank should make a Saints Row movie, and I would like to see these two these two terrible, terrible franchises that I love so much really uh, get it together. Um, Now, (laughs) Chev is explaining the plot of the movie to Eve during this gunfight. uh, And she now believes the thing about the adrenaline and keeping his heart going. So, uh, she takes it upon herself to to uh, Honestly, she's she's blowing him while they drive because that's going to keep his heart beating. <laughs> it is, it's... <laughs> As Tim Gunn would say, I'm concerned about the taste levels. <laughs> and every time she comes up, he tells her to stay down, which is really so she doesn't get shot, but it also seems like he's very into it uh he shot a car so bad it flipped over uh. it's it's reached the point where he's so distracted by by oral sex that he's having a hard time driving <laughs> uh Apparently she didn't finish because she doesn't want him to fall asleep like he always does. So we've learned that about their relationship. Uh, The last car pursuing them crashed. He gets out and just walks up to the car and just starts shooting. And it looks like everybody is dead. So... Uh, sorry sometimes I get kind of caught up in, in watching it because I sort of like Amy Smart's reaction where she is like she still doesn't quite believe it and it's upsetting to her but she's also sort of like making her peace with well this is how I live now uh, honestly the actors in this don't get enough credit for being great hey the doctor finally calls him back Dr. Dwight Yoakam, he has a weird bruise on his head. Uh, like an indent on his big balding forehead. And I'm very afraid of going bald because I'm clumsy and I know my head is marked with bruises and divots and weird little cuts. And, uh... uh oh, anyway, so the doc gets Chub to come in so he can give him a proper adrenaline treatment, with some synthetic eph- ephedrine. I'm learning a lot about science. Oh, he also gave him some meth. <laughs> but the the poison <laughs> the poison's still in his system. Uh, he's he's not fixed. This is, it's keeping, the doctor has kept him alive, but he's in such bad shape, it's stunning. (laughs) Poor guy. So the doctor's basically giving him a competing uh, chemical that will push the poison out of his receptors, but it's a temporary fix, and when it runs out, uh, Chev's dead. Guys, things aren't looking good for our friend our friend Chev Chelios. Uh, even on full life support, he'd only survive for a couple of days, but then he'd go into a coma. So, and I, the thing is, I think, I think we know by now that uh, this movie does not have a rigorous adherence to science. So it seems likely that, that, uh, you know, this this uh, dire pronouncement is not uh, the word of God. You know what I mean? Uh, he does offer to basically put Chev out of his misery. And Chev just wants one last hour. Which, And there's a news story where the people on the tour bus are talking about watching people have sex up the street. I, I feel like it was a big enough news day that that would not be the... Uh, lead story. But the next story is also about Chev's actions. Um, so yeah, he's kind of he's kind of the entire day on KTLA. Um, uh, Ricky Verona is seeing this news report in his limousine and can't believe it's can't believe he's not dead yet. And in fact Chev calls him to make him a little deal. You know, at this point, you've got to be... When, when you were pretty sure this guy was going to die in an hour, and he has wiped out most of your organization, uh, but Chev offers him the neck his brother's necklace in exchange for the antidote. And Ricky's reaction leads me to believe that maybe there is not an antidote. Ah... Uh, It sounds, you know, he's, he's, uh, you know, sort of scoffing at the idea, but he really wants this necklace back and Chev's taunting him about his dead brother. They agree to meet in 20 minutes. chev has got an hour to live. He's going to have to wrap this up fast. Uh, So you know what, we got some more cool shots. Again, I wish I knew more about cameras. There's, now Jason Statham is walking down the street as the coolest guy you have ever seen. He's just walking, looking cool. Uh, And he's like going over his last conversation with Amy Smart in his head uh, that he's going to make a deal for the antidote. And I don't even know that he believes there's an antidote. But he's reassuring her. And uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but we do get more Amy Smart in uh, Crank 2. Uh, We also get more Dwight Yoakam. A lot of the people who've had speaking parts in this movie are dead now. So not a lot of them are available to return. But we'll find out next year. Uh... (laughs) He is now in something that appears to be both a hotel and a fetish club. Uh, there appears to be the men's room. They're projecting videos of monkeys having sex, perhaps. Um, but he's preparing, he's got this The doctor rigged up something that's going to, Oh, no, I was wrong. It was turtles having sex. There are turtles having sex right behind his head. Uh, so he's got a pump to sort of disperse adrenaline and, uh, and, and keep him alive a little longer and he is he is headed for he's got pills man this guy is all set <laughs> I missed the explanation of what, these, what these pills he has are but he just took like 20 of them so I feel like he's not uh, not maintaining super well He is, he is hallucinating that a man in the elevator with him is his mother. Uh, this man has absolute contempt for him. Um, but this man is now talking in voices of other characters from the movie, like Orlando. Uh, this is a very weird scene. Anytime you get the tiniest glimpse of Chev Chelios' interior life, it's sort of weird and upsetting. Uh, but, yeah, he's talking to the people in his life through this man who's standing in an elevator. And, guys, this is weird, but it does foreshadow a warrior's death. So how about that? Okay, this is awesome. The guy, uh, Chev says to the guy, who are you? And the guy says, don't you know? and the words don't you know appear on the screen but then when it shifts perspective you see the word letters written backwards as if Chev is able as if they physically exist in the space and Chev is reading them on the screen they do a lot of fun stuff in this movie I mean I kind of wish I was I wish I had another person here because it's less irritating than listening to me the whole time but I would sort of like to see somebody reacting to all of this craziness for the first time. Uh all right, but he's reached he's reached uh the meeting spot. Verona's goons are searching him. They take his gun. Uh I think we know by now that that's a minimal. There are naked ladies in bubbles. Uh They're like on the the deck outside the penthouse and there are There are naked ladies in plastic bubbles who look bored. They're just sitting there. Uh, There are other naked ladies just walking around. Uh, I will say for all the naked ladies that are in this movie, they don't really dwell on it. Which... Uh... I guess, is responsible of them. But look, his boss is working with Ricky Verona. So, look, everything's been going wrong for Chev. They take his pump. Uh, he's been betrayed. Nobody's on his side. And and now he doesn't have his ephedrine pump. Uh, the Bored sexy ladies are, are not that into what's happening here. But... Chev's plan would seem to be falling apart. Uh, he's trying to create dissension between between Ricky and his old boss, Carlito. And Ricky's a little bit of a hothead. He's angry. Guys, we are getting close to the end here. Uh, it turns out there's a whole complicated plan... Uh, where these guys have been working together the whole time, and they wanted to take out both Don Kim and Jeff Chelios. And there does not need to be a... <laughs> there isn't anything about this that makes anything make more sense. Uh, but if they need to give people motivations at the end, that's fine. It ties it up a little nicer. He is now... Uh, Chev is now pointing a finger gun at everybody and they keep backing off when he points to them uh, as if he might be able to shoot them with his finger. And then he does. He shoots a guy with a finger and his head explodes. But then we see uh, behind Chev sort of a gang... Don Kim and a bunch of his guys have assembled behind him and now it is a full-on gunfight between Don Kim's men and Verona's men and like a lot of people are are uh, getting shot. One of the bubble ladies gets shot. Uh, SWAT team's arriving. Uh, the news is there. Everything's going wrong. Uh... There's a news team there. Every news story today has been about Chev Chelios. Uh, I hope the president didn't have anything important to say on this day because the people of Los Angeles would not have heard about it. Uh, The news is telling people to get small children out of the room. Uh, Chev Chelios throws a champagne bottle at Verona, which makes him drop his gun which then fires, and he shoots his own fingers off. So Ricky Verona has no fingers now. He does, however, have either the antidote or more poison. They haven't made it clear what this is. Um, and now they are whipping grenades back and forth at one another in a fairly small space. Oh. Car- Carlito makes a guy... <laughs> take a grenade for him. There is so much blood, you guys. It is. It has gotten ludicrously violent. Why did I say violent with that extra syllable in it? I know how, I know how that word is pronounced. Right now, it mostly seems to be Chev, Verona, and Carlito who are still up and standing. Uh, but Chev's starting to, he's starting to lose it. He's barely holding it together. There are a bunch of, and I say this without racist implications, there are lawn jockeys lined up, uh, but they are they are very specifically not the racist lawn jockeys. They are images of, they are plaster jockeys, uh, but they are white. Uh, you know, if you're old enough, you knew somebody who had a lawn jockey. It was bad. And Carlito keeps hiding behind them and Jeff keeps shooting off Jockey statue's heads. Um, He's chasing them. They've somehow gotten higher than the penthouse. Uh, Carlito's trying to get to a helicopter. Chev is right behind him. He is not having it. And he's ready to... Oh, no. He's ready to shoot Carlito... But then Verona comes up behind him and poisons him more. Dude's been double poisoned. So then Verona shoots Carlito. So Chev's all the way poisoned. Carlito is dead. Verona gets on the helicopter. It is... Guys, things are a mess. Uh, It doesn't... Ricky Verona's going to get away, which is the frustrating thing about all this. We've been through... We've been through all of this and... um, Nope. Turns out Chev has a second wind. He is standing on the skid of the helicopter as it's flying, beating up Ricky, who is safely inside the helicopter. (laughs) He's also extremely poisoned. But yep, they are having a fight scene with one man inside a helicopter and one man outside. Uh, uh, Cheb is now dangling. He doesn't even have his feet on the skid. It's <laughs> Now people on the street are just watching watching this helicopter fight. <laughs> this movie's amazing. And you know what? Verona clearly has the upper hand, what with having a seat on the helicopter and not being double poisoned. Um, But nope, Chev manages to deck him, gets inside the helicopter. And, oh, they are up so high. He, Chev hurls them both out of the helicopter into free fall. They are both plummeting. In a in a shot that sometimes looks really good and sometimes is very obviously green screened, uh, but on the budget they had, the you can understand. But <laughs> Chev strangles Ricky to death on the way down. <laughs> so they've still got hundreds of feet to fall, and Ricky's dead. Chev is plummeting. He calls Eve on his way down. This is rad. I actually I, I love this. He's leaving her a message on her answering machine. <laughs> as he's in free fall. And here's what he says. Hey doll. Looks like I let you down again. Seems like all my life I've just been going, going. Going. I wish I'd taken more time to stop and smell the roses, so to speak. Well, I guess it's too late for that now. You were the greatest, baby. And with that, he lands. He hits the ground. Well, to, to be more specific he lands on a car bounces so high. He goes out of frame again and then crashes to the ground right in front of the camera. You see him breathe and blink, but he is very clearly not walking away from this. And then the movie's over. Ah, the, a funny thing I didn't say because I like his, his last speech so much is when it cuts to the answering machine and you hear what is being recorded. It's just the whoosh of wind. (laughs) Um, And now we're in the credits. But I'm staying with you because like a Marvel movie, we're getting a post-credit scene. Uh, Speaking of Marvel, should Jason Statham be in a Marvel movie? Yes, absolutely. Uh, He was almost there was a rumor at least he was going to be bullseye in the Netflix daredevil show. And then that didn't happen, but that's such perfect casting that if he, he should 100% do bullseye, uh, kind of the main daredevil villain. He's a, he's a Jason Statham type. Um, so I would 100% uh, uh, support that. Um, I'm trying to think if there'd be another good choice. There's, it'd be fun to have him as a hero i just don't know who who he really fits uh it's kind of a fun dirtbag character called the captain but uh who'd actually be good for him but that was a character created by warren ellis who's turned out to be a complete creep who was grooming underage girls and uh honestly i'd rather i don't want to see that guy getting uh I don't want to see that guy getting royalties for his characters, so screw off. Make up somebody similar to that character Jason Statham can play him. Uh, now, in the so far in the credits, they've been done like high speed montages of scenes from from the movie, but they do a cool the the almost assassination of Don Kim, which we saw twice. They stage it again, but this time it's Chevchelios pointing the gun at Chevchelios. Uh, because it's art. There's a lot of levels here, guys. Um, Now, this is a thing I've never noticed before, and maybe it's common, but uh, Neville Dean and Taylor, the directors, are also credited as camera operators. And I I don't know if that's common. I don't think, like, I can't imagine, like, Steven Spielberg is actually physically manning a camera. I think he's probably watching, watching it, but I don't I don't know. Maybe. Look, I, there's a lot I don't know about directing or cameras. And that's come up a lot in the course of this commentary. But we're we're learning together. Uh, look, this was a lot of fun. I, it's not done until we get the post-credits scene where Nick Fury uh, asks Chevchelios' corpse to join the Avengers. But this movie is... It's it's so much fun. I will admit it is dumb. It is mean spirited. It has some uh some ill considered bits that I'd like to think in in twenty twenty one uh Neville Dean and Or Taylor have looked back on and said hey, maybe we should have done this differently. And it doesn't really play as play the way we wanted it to, but it's such a it's such a scrappy weird little ah uh, it's these guys trying to make the craziest movie they could and seemingly acting on every impulse they had and that makes it so much fun to watch uh like I said i I, I think the second one is is better and it's got some much weirder stuff but uh when I sort of uh just taking this on its own, it's so much fun. Like, if there wasn't a Crank 2, you, Crank crank would be a uh, just absolute standout in the Jason Statham ooze uh, If you'd like more Jason Statham, obviously there's a second Crank movie. Uh, the first two Transporter movies are very good. Uh, the third one, not so much. Uh, the third one has a different director and... He's not very good. And also, uh, Statham's character in the first two Transporter movies is, is gay. Like, they don't make a huge deal out of it, but it, it is addressed. And the director of the third movie seemingly did not know that. And Statham was so punched out of for, when working with that guy seemingly that even he didn't bother to correct anything. Uh, That feels like a real paycheck movie for him. Uh, Spy is a very good uh, comedy. He has a small role in it, but it's everything he does is hilarious. Um, The Meg is dumb and not that good, but it's super fun to watch. Jason Statham versus a giant shark. Uh, The Italian Job is sort of top level. The recent Wrath of Man, I really like. It's maybe my favorite of the, the Guy Ritchie, Jason Statham movies. And I know Guy Ritchie's the one who put him on the map. I'm just not a huge Guy Ritchie fan. But uh, Wrath of Man really worked in a way that some of his others haven't for me. Uh, okay. Movie's over. Or is it? Well, that's the Lionsgate title card. It must be done. There's a quick 8-bit video game scene of of... Nintendo Chevchelios killing people until his heart explodes, and that's it. I remembered the ending scene being different, but no, they pretty much lead you with the idea that Chevchelios is dead. Is he? We'll find out next year in a. Next Cranksgiving with the Crank Two high voltage commentary, which not to spoil anything, but it does have a scene of a kaiju version of Chef <laughs> Um, hey, this was fun. I hope uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I know I ended up just talking about what was on screen quite a bit, but I wanted something you could listen to without. See, when I listen to podcasts, I'm mostly at work. So if I listen to a watch-along, I will never be watching along. So I sort of appreciate a kind of commentary on what is happening uh, and reactions to it just so I can sort of uh, have it as a standalone rather than a, a uh, an additive to the experience. But we'll see. I had fun. I enjoyed watching Crank. Uh, I managed to get through the whole thing without audio flubs or needing to use the bathroom because I can't really pause when I do a, a watch-along. Um, this has already been... This has been a very long episode without a guest, so you've been stuck with my voice this whole time. So uh, I'll just remind you to uh, check out our sponsor, teasbysummer.com. Fantastic mugs and t-shirts, best in the business. Uh, check that out. You heard her on the show a couple weeks ago. You know she's absolutely delightful and would be very happy if you bought stuff. I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving, a happier Cranksgiving, and I will be back in a few days with a new episode. Fed Talks is a Faux Boys production. Wah, 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 wah.